Hello, welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so happy to be chatting with you, chatting with each other about some yarny stuff and some witchy stuff. I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Same two folks as always. <laughs> we'll kick it off with some news, mostly about where you can find Emily. Where will you be? Um, I will be at Crafty Supermarket with you. In a couple weeks. Very soon. Uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving in Cincinnati, Ohio at the Music Hall Ballroom. Uh, we will have a table where we will be selling all of my wares and we will bring lots of extra Fiber Coven stickers if you are a Fiber Coven person who wants to come. It's a free to attend show. So like definitely you can just pop in for a little bit if you just want to see us. Uh, and it's a really cool show. Uh, so I do recommend walking around and checking out some of the art which a lot of the artists are my friends so it's a cool time yay and then you're also going to be at galaxy con in columbus i will i will be attending my first galaxy con which is you know like a comic pop culture kind of convention uh the guest list is pretty interesting to me there's a lot of cool celebrities that are going to be there uh and i am excited to have a booth in the exhibitor hall nice and uh keep your ears perked up uh we might both be at sassy magic in new orleans in january so uh Mm -hmm. put that one on your radar we're gonna be hanging out so much it's gonna be insufferable yay (laughs) Awesome. So jumping into our regular stuff. Uh, did you finish anything this week, last couple of weeks? I finished my Socktober socks that I've been talked about for all of October, uh, but I didn't bring them over because they're put away and they're for other people. Um, so I guess we can jump into whips. What you've been working on? How's that MCAL going? That's what I have mostly been working on during the trip. You went was, to Portland was, with Camber. I went to Portland with Kemper of Junk Yarn and we vended at Sacred Sheep together. And it was a very wonderful time. You'll hear about it more in my acquisitions uh, section. Mm-hmm. But uh, <gasps> look at that. It's so purple. So I finished Clue 2, which is the, mm-hmm. the like eyelet section that goes all the way around the square. Mm-hmm. And now I am almost halfway done with Clue 3, which is doing this like um slip stitch slip stitch zigzag thing that's beautiful um, i've it, seen some finished pictures it's a really cool design yeah i'm i'm, gl- I'm glad i jumped on it because i do really like the design um and i love the colors you picked too this goes to a point and then there's a really cool border for clue four mm-hmm. this is kind of my main project right now um i'm feeling really good about it it's kind of like sparking my own design creativity to work on someone else's cool design so this is all happy feelings and good times at the moment and I worked on it quite a bit while we were chilling in our Airbnb and on the various planes that I was on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um did I show you that I restarted the cotton candy macaron shawl perhaps I restart it's very tiny yes yeah Oh, maybe you had started it last time and now you have restarted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And that was just to write it. I might rip it out and knit a new but flavor didn't you... with these yarns. I did publish that cotton candy version. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is that another, that's junk yarn sock set? Yes, it's a junk yarn sock set. Awesome. 
I love their sock sets. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about your blanket or do you want me to talk about my blanket? Well, you talk about your blanket and then I'll just launch into all my stuff. Blanket. Well, I'll blanket. do my non-blanket thing first and then I'll be done. Okay. We can blend position. <laughs> uh, I was an election officer yesterday. Uh-huh. And I brought- so you needed a vanilla project. I did. I worked on my socks a bit, but I also thought it might be fun to work on some quilting. Oh, oh. you're paper piecing. Oh, but my goodness. Paper piecing. That's so fantastic. Little hexagons. What's that going to be? It's going to be another one of these little bags. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a gift miss present for my sister. Um, mm-hmm. With these little candy fabrics from the Ruby Star Society. Um, but yeah, I, I sewed all these little hexagons together and it was, um, it was a good little election day project because unlike knitting, there aren't like live stitches to worry about. So I could really like put it down. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So I worked on that and then I just worked on my socks, but like they look pretty yeah. simple. They're knee socks. So they're just like long tubes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then blanket is over here. And this I worked on a bit before I left. And this is the first time I picked it up since I have been back. I finished my You Shall Be the Fellowship of the Ring stripe. Mm -hmm. And this is my Sting stripe that's all done. Ooh, it's a nice bluey gray. Is it a little variegated? Yeah, it's kind of, it's like a semi-solid tonal kind of thing. Mm, That's really pretty. Um, and it's very like steel blue. And this is a reminder that this is my Lord of the Rings blanket in lantern light yarns that is just huge because it is my advent calendar yarn. Um, and it's month. a full month advent. It's a 31 minis. Yeah. And I have started my next color, um, which is uh, Don't Disturb the Water. So it's like, oh, I love it. Yeah, you will like this one in person a lot too. It's not coming it's off. It's really pretty. Like deep and green as it is in person. It looks on the camera to be like a deep, dark, grungy teal. Yeah, that's what it is. I um, love that. Yeah, and I think the next one is this isn't a cave, it's a tomb, and it's a very like mummy brown kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have some good Moria colorways coming up. I'm excited to see what the Lothlorien and stuff looks like. Yeah, and then I'm excited that I'm going to get to open some some more of these minis in December. Have you already ordered your new one? I pre-ordered it, like, as soon as it went up. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. I've been a good girl about my temperature blanket. I've, you can see. Are you bringing it with you? Have you decided? I am not. It's so big. It's too big. It's Mm -hmm. too big. I'd have to check luggage and I don't want to do that because I'm lazy. So I've got about six inches since I saw you or, you know, since you saw it last. Look how cool it's gotten. It does look really cool. It's been snowing. It's been snowing. I heard somewhere. I heard from a guy in at queer social group at Sedeli's that like big years come in twos. And that's like local weather folklore. And I don't want another big winter. I had enough. It was so bad. Anyway, sad. It's already snowing. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm kind of sad that the bright colors are going away, but I'm really enjoying the project still. Yeah. The 
the texture is very good. Yeah, it's mosaic crochet. It's designed by Soraya Hussain, who is a really dope designer and jewelry artist as well. And it's a lot of fun. And then, oh, I'm sorry, Chopper. I disturbed him with the thudding of the blanket. Oh. <laughs> Poor man. I did pick up my vanilla hat that I was working on. And I decided to do a box top hat top down a long time ago with some mystery deep stash. It's very autumnal looking with purples and oranges and pinky reds. And so I'm just in the body of that. I'll probably end up bringing this with me when I come see you. It's a little like mobile vanilla project. Uh, Then I cast on something that I am so excited about and I am determined to finish it before I come visit you in a week Oh, Um, because I want to be able to wear it. I think it's really cute. It is a hand spun sweater. It is the sleeve vibe sweater by Sachiko oh. Bergen. So it is not a full sweater. It mm-hmm. is totally accomplishable because I am hobbit sized. It is a just sleeves tits out sort of a design. I have finished the body because it's really just a partial yoke um, and a little neckband. I have woven in my ends that I've created so far and I am almost done with my first sleeve. Wow, that looks really good. Yeah, I like crushed this whole sleeve yesterday. I've uh, been yeah, trying to sweater is almost like just knitting a pair of knee socks. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean it's on a looser gauge. So I'm using size four needles. I think the pattern's written for like five or six, but I have a loose gauge. So I dropped down to a four. I am so stoked on this pattern. I have seen it on a variety of different body types and I think it looks dope. And I have a feeling this is going to be one of those things where all my IRL friends would be like, you want one of these? I'll make you one. Mm -hmm. Nice. But I am using my hand spun. This is the Umbara inspired colorway from Rapunzel Fiber Arts, who is a friend Marina, who I like so much. And it's tweedy and textury, but I'm surprised at how even my fingering weight is. This is honestly the first time I've nailed a really even fingering weight. Every time I've tried to spin fingering weight, it usually turns out too thin or too thick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am pretty freaking obsessed with this. Yeah, that looks rad. Yeah. So, and it's it's a, um, because there's no like body on the sweater, it seems like there isn't like a huge size discrepancy as far as like, uh, you know, an inclusive pattern. Like for, if you're like the smallest sizes, you can maybe get away with one skein, but most other sizes are, aren't, it's not, I can't imagine it be being more than three skeins for anybody. Mm -hmm. And it's such a fun accessory. Like I don't have a lot of tits and I think this is going to look cute. This looks really good on people who actually have titties. Mm -hmm. Nice. I think it's, I'm excited about this project. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to wear it when I get to hang like out to with all your cool friends. Finished object photos of you in it. Yeah, that would be great. And that's all that I've really been working on. Um, I know you said you had a lot of acquisitions, but I just have one. So maybe I could show that off first. Yeah. So what other projects are you bringing aside from that vanilla hack? Cause you're not bringing your crochet. Have you thought about that? um i don't know okay i was just curious um i guess i was thinking so you got in my head a speckled fade for 
dotted rays for the mini skein set that I'm going to show oh, off. But I that would be a good one. But I think I decided against that. Oh. So I I think because I'm not okay. I'll show you the minis and then I'll just blather about it. So mm-hmm. I pre-ordered Serendipitous Wool's five-year anniversary mini skein set, and they're like honestly a super pretty gradient. They're a super like look gradient. at these. Yeah, so they're gorgeous. Good. I'm gonna when I'm done recording here, I'm gonna post about them. They're just beautiful speckled colors, and I think they form a pretty gradient that I can't hold up in my little hobbit hands. But they're delightful twelve mini skeins, and it's on the same four ply base um, that most dyers use for four ply sock yarn. Um, Shoba calls it the value fingering base and it's the 75 25 blend. Amazing. Okay. So I really wanted to swatch all of those in my, um, cozy memories blanket. And I was concerned. So it's 24 minis or 12 minis. That's 240 grams. I take out five grams for my squares. That's not a lot of yardage for a speckled fade dotted rays. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't think it'd be enough. Sorry. Repeat the math. 12 minis at 20 grams. So that's 240 grams total. But I want to swatch all of these in my blanket. Yeah. And each yeah. square is roughly five grams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's enough. I think I might do a speckled, like a faded dotted raise in my leftover temperature yarn because uh Oh, that would be beautiful. Yeah, I'm into this. I don't I don't know whether I, I want to, I'm going to see what I have left because it's to the point where like, I know I'm not going to need anything over like 70 degrees again for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I might cast on one of those in that and bring that. Mm-hmm. And start with the like high temp co- colors and fade into the Yeah, go from colors. pinks, pinks to oranges to yellows and bring that to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe have, I'll do another one with what I have left from that. So. We shall see. Cool, cool. You brought up the coziest of memories and it reminded me. Do you know that that's Kemper's pattern? Yeah. I d- like it took me so long to remember that that's Kemper's pattern after I became friends with Kemper. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I was do like, like that's a weird. I worked on that like six years ago, seven years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The pixel rise socks are theirs too. I did. I did a couple of those. Yeah. I wore them the other day. I was like, oh, Kemper designed this. And now I know them. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Show me your acquisitions. They are plentiful. I realized that I accidentally left one in the kitchen. So I'm going to have to pop over and grab that. Um, this is a really cute bag that I acquired. <gasps> oh, which bag? Yeah. And this is by Multicraftual Handmade. Um, which is Christine, who is Kemper's assistant and makes mm-hmm. really beautiful handmade bags. And they're cute little fat witches and they have a little fat cat and they're 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 cozy and adorable. And there's even one that's like knitting over here. I love it. And the inside of it has a like oil slick zipper. Mm-hmm. And the inside of the bag is this cool, like diamond kind of Harlequin color, like situation, and mm-hmm. it's a really good size. 
Um, mm-hmm. This is like my ideal project bag size because it'll fit like a nice big shawl in here. I have been meaning to move my MCAL into here, but I kept it in the bag I have it in because I wanted to keep this nice and flat for transit. So I think I'm going to move my MCAL project into here and it will be good. Nice. Uh, and then I got this other bag. This is from uh, Collage PDX, which was a really rad art supply and craft store that was pretty near our airbnb oh and it's a a mini tote little mini tote um of no face and no face has some chopsticks which kind of look like knitting needles which is festive Mm -hmm. um and i um i own one of these bags already they are um from japan and they have a little top zipper and they're just the best sock project bags. I have two Totoro. I have a Totoro and a Gigi one that I use all the time. Um, but they're great because they have little handles. So you can just like knit socks from them. So I've never seen the Snow Face one before. So I picked it up. Also from Multicraftual. Or mm-hmm. not Multicraftual, sorry. I, I have very little brain cells. This is also from Collage PDX. Um, mm-hmm. They had... A lot of variety of my favorite brand of gouache paint that I use, um, Holbein. And they had this pale lilac color that is really, really nice mm-hmm. um, that I don't think I own. So I got this tube of paint. Other art supply materials. We went to Oblation Paper and Press, which was the most beautiful fancy stationery store that I've ever mm-hmm. been inside of. It was so big and so nice. They have a they do their own letter pressing, like custom wedding invitations. So they had like letter presses in the back and there was like a window that you could see the people doing the letter press stuff. And they had a ton of cards, crazy amounts of notebooks and calendars. There was a whole like Japanese stationery section. They had a fountain pen bar area. It was crazy in there. But I found some fun things. I found one thing that I'm not going to show because I also got you this thing. Um, But I got these dot pens. Mm -hmm. These are little pixel pens. Mm -hmm. They have a little square top and you can Mm -hmm. make little pixel stamps. And then the other side is like a regular skinny pen type thing. Um, And they are made by Bandai. They're from Japan. Um, but I thought those were cool. And I also got pen that is in my cat bag. I got a rollerball Lamy mm-hmm. pen. I have a lot of these pens as found pens, but I had never actually had the chance to write with the rollerball version. Um, mm-hmm. So I got this because I like the color and um, I think it will be nice to have uh, the rollerball version because I don't really like to fly with my fountain pens as much because I'm concerned about them, you know, blowing up on the plane. <laughs> um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I, got things. I also got some little letterpress guys um, from there that were made there. There's this little moon Aww. on this handmade paper and a little clover. They're so pretty. And they have like little envelopes. So I don't know. I might just like send these as little little notes to people mm-hmm. at the Japanese garden. I mm-hmm. found this really cute Totoro sketchbook um, that I'd never seen before. It has a canvas cover um, and it has the little 
critters and stuff from the intro mm -hmm. of the movie along it. And this is like embossed. Do, um, do, 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 do. And then it's a plain sketchbook. So I waffled on getting this because does one need another sketchbook? But it's so nice and pretty. Mm -hmm. um, Thanks to you, I got to tell a friend at my local like queer hangout group about the scrotum magic of tanukis in Pompoco. Hooray. I'm glad to have caused that to happen. <laughs> yes, it was delightful. Mm -hmm. um, and I went to Weird, yeah, Weird Sisters um, yarn shop in Portland. And Ooh, that sounds like a cool one. It is cool. It's like, a bookstore slash yarn shop and it's kind of witchy themed um mm -hmm. it was nice. uh and they had a good selection of like witchy books and stuff which was nice mm -hmm. but i got this gay spooky uh patch there mm -hmm. and it's it's a spooky in rainbow letters and it has little rainbow ghosts on it mm-hmm and then at the actual show of Sacred Sheep, I picked up the official Sacred Sheep pin, which mm -hmm. has the logo sheep and his little halo. And he you can't really see it, but there is sparkle background. In nice. Sheep words. Yep. And then I got a thing that I need to go grab from the kitchen, which is like my only big purchase from Sacred Sheep. You got a mug. I got this mug from Jam PDX. Uh mm -hmm. Because uh, I didn't actually realize that they're based in Portland, but I already have some of their pottery. I, um, I didn't know that PDX was Portland. I don't know what letters are. I don't live on the West Coast. Um, so I have their moon phase. Lauren's laughing at me. I have their moon phase. You, you were like, I was like, you know about Burning Man, right? And you're like, of course I know about Burning Man. I did. So you... <laughs> so you know some west coast things but not others correct that's right um, but i already have the moon faces mug and i have a little butt face from this pottery company but i got this cute little lily of the valley mug mm -hmm. that has little 3d lily of the valley flowers and it's so pretty and nice it is really nice and then I went to Starlight um, mm -hmm. Knitting Society while I was there in Portland, which maybe you will hear more about them next year because I might be collaborating with them in some stuff now. And I got a Tuft Woolens hand body balm bar that is Royal Apiary scented. And mm -hmm. it's, also, it's like lavender e. Mm -hmm. And I also picked up one of their exclusive spin cycle colorways. Oh, was there. So this is the only yarn that I acquired. I I was gonna grab a bunch of junk yarn to like maybe do a sweater design in, but then I was like, I'm just gonna make Kemper send that to me later and not have to do math and choices right now. But I got these, Ooh. which this is the plump base of mm -hmm. cycle that i have never worked with um and it's a lot airier it's very pastel then it's not like rock hard like the other mm -hmm. cycle bases are it's still very tightly spun for like a plump yarn but yeah it's much squishier 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is Cassiopeia, which is mm-hmm. an exclusive colorway for Starlight Knitting Society. And I just really liked the, I mean, it, it really goes it's, with my- It's very pastel. Right, with this little pastel. And it's very like, like there's yellow and stuff in there. And I just, I like it a lot. I'm excited. Hopefully you'll let me squish that when I can see you. For sure. And I got two skeins of it because one skein is only a hundred yards. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to do a design in this because I have the design in each of the other spin cycle weights. Um, mm-hmm. They are really great about like sharing designs when you do a design in your yarn, in their yarn. So um, mm-hmm. do something with these. I don't know. Another... If be... Yeah. I've, I haven't decided if it's going to be the same kind of neck kerchief thing, like my, um, foul temptress and wicked enchantress mm-hmm. designs or if i'll do something completely different mm-hmm. nice um and those are all of, all of my things oh i have one more dumb thing <laughs> i just spotted out of the corner of my eye which is this it's like gash- a hamster bowl it's a gashapon that i got at collage because they had a bunch of gashapons and mm-hmm. it's one of those fidget slugs <laughs> But he's like a tiny keychain version, bitch and slug. Oh my goodness. That's and he cute. came in this hamster ball and you can like put him in the hamster ball. Like he's a little slug pet. Mm-hmm. Get then, in your plastic prison, little man. Yes. So I was just a dumb, it amused me kind of thing. Delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, oh I think I'm done now. <laughs> fantastic this is going to be a nice long one yeah. because as we jump into a cult corner i read a book and you're gonna spend the next couple weeks hearing about it i'm so excited i heard i didn't have time to read a book <laughs> got the notes you got all sorts of pages there i have so many pages i high take serial killer style notes and i have to bring these so that i can continue my report my book report when i'm hanging out with you So I heard about this in a somewhat recent episode of My Favorite Murder. This is about the cult of the Great Eleven, and the MFM referenced a book on it, which I read, I listened to. I poured through this, I teared this thing up in like two or three days. Um, It is called The Cult of the Great Eleven by Samuel Fort, and this will all be my book report uh, from this one book. So... The TLDR version of It's a Roaring Twenties West Coast Lady Cult. Hooray! Woman power. So, woman power. But no, these, <laughs> this is a cult and it, it hits all the classic cult high notes and they, there's a body count. There's bad, bad things happen. Um, all the joking we do is not to make light of the people who ended up very dead because of their involvement in this cult. Um, it's often called the Blackburn cult or the divine order of the Royal arms of the great 11. There's going to be a lot of like really pedantic names. And so we're going to like kind of set the scene a little bit. We're going to jump back to the late 1800s. Um, as we've talked about a lot and lots of other podcasts have talked about spiritualism was hugely popular in the second half of the 1800s. 
due in large part to wars in continental Europe, as well as the civil war in America. There's a lot of death. A lot of people were interested in occultism and a way to contact, perhaps contact their deceased loved ones. It wasn't incompatible with Christianity, although I'm sure many Christians would say that it is. It was not really viewed that way at the time. And like I said, this was a West Coast cult. This is a very California cult. And I will say it's in terms of like white settlers, the West Coast and in American history, the West Coast has always been a draw for risk takers, seekers and fame hounds. And so lots of cults have existed very strongly on the West Coast in the history of like white settler Americans. So let's get into it. We have our cult leader, May Otis Blackburn, and she is born on August 2nd of 1881 in Iowa. It's a pretty rough time to be a woman. She was married at 16, which I didn't, it's kind of a bummer. And she has her daughter, Ruth, around the turn of the century. I put her in her late teens. And her husband uh, turns into a deadbeat before his baby is even born. So he is pretty out of the picture. Ruth goes to live with her grandparents. The baby Ruth goes to live with her grandparents. And her mother, May, is called her older sister, which is a pretty standard thing that happened up until very recently in history. Like my dad um, was born in the 50s late fifties. And he said like within like cultural, like stuff there, like he's he's Italian American community. And he said a lot of times, like a teenage girl would, you know, disappear for six months. And then suddenly her parents would adopt a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like really standard for, at least in terms of, of American culture to like, if you have a teenage pregnancy for the parents, the, the grandparents to like adopt it. And then the mother is called the older sister. That's what happens here with May and Ruth. It leads, it adds a layer of complication to the, their relationship because these two do go on to found this cult in the Roaring Twenties. And so uh, it's interesting to bring up here Ruth's mother, Grandma Jenny, who will definitely be involved in the cult going forward. So no woman in this line, Grandma Jenny, Mayotis Blackburn, or her daughter, Ruth, no woman in this family is single for long. And I'm trying to take a generous view towards Grandma Jenny. And it she just kind of seems like a serial monogamist and women did not have power. And it seemed like a way to gain security. Mm-hmm. It's like if you find yourself widowed to get remarried real quick, um, it's it, you could say that was a matter of financial and social security to do that. Um, May and Ruth are a little more calculating in their relationships, as we will see. Um, this whole family eventually makes it to Portland. Grandma Jenny and her new husband, um, a guy by the name of Blackburn, which is where the name Blackburn comes from. They're out in Portland. May eventually makes it out to Portland with her second husband. She never really got a divorce, so it's kind of a little bit of bigamy. Um, But they make it out to Portland, and she's reunited with her daughter, Ruth, but they are maintaining the sister lie. Um, But it it does seem like she she wanted to be around her, her daughter and be a presence in her life. And May is 100% taking all of husband number two's money. Like she's just taking it all as soon as it comes in. 
And there tend to be two types of men that both May and Ruth find themselves in relationships with. They tend to be working class men who they can manipulate into taking all of their money, like guys with a stable, stable working class income who are just willing to hand it over and wealthy patrons like you do. So May's first husband, who is Ruth's deadbeat dad, sends this is all kind of complicated. And the way it came off to me in this book is he sends a fake death notice saying that like he died uh, on a mining claim up in Alaska and he had like apparently like found gold or something and there is 100k in inheritance. And so May is like, oh yeah, I want that inheritance. And she goes up there and finds out it's a lie um, because they'd both been trying to get each other to show up in court for various legal reasons. And so it seems like May and husband number one were like playing some real real legal games with each other eventually they are granted a divorce by the courts i think may has something like i want to divorce this man he's not responding to my letters if he doesn't show up please grant me this divorce that's what happens and then she also gets an annulment from husband number two so she is single and ready to mingle and quickly gets involved with the portland lumber baron as his mistress and starts living the high life in portland she becomes a landlady which is, you know, a fantastic uh, profession. That was sarcasm. But I guess if it, it would might have been pretty revolutionary for a lady at the time to have financial security like that, but still landlording is probably not a super ethical uh, profession to be in. And that's just my opinion. <laughs> so she is involved with this lumber baron. She may or may not be blackmailing him saying like, I'm going to air all of our dirty laundry out on the street. If you don't keep paying for this, you know, if you don't buy me this building that I can rent out to other people and buy me nice things, we don't know, but she starts her own film production company and makes two and two films as a vanity project for teenage Ruth to star in. She just dreams that Ruth could be the next TV starlet. Everybody is saying in all the reports that Ruth is super hot. And like, I mean, like maybe she's like Midwest hot, but she's not West Coast hot. I looked at the pictures. Samuel Ford, this author's website has photos and everything. So if you don't want to read the book, but you just want to cliff notes of the book, his website is is really good. It, it definitely gives pictures and cliff notes of everybody. I will point out that West Coast hot probably doesn't exist as much at this point. Like it's right. Movies are just starting thing. to happen and they're <laughs> silent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, your cot might be a thing at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I think that Ruth is, she definitely comes off as, and we'll hear more about her as extroverted and flirty and fun. So she's, she definitely could be one of those where her personality and her movement and things that don't come off in a 1920s photograph. She definitely, both May and Ruth have tons of charisma and appeal. Um, you got it. If you got it, if you're going to form a cult, that's, you're going to form a forming cult. A cult. Exactly. Number one. Yeah. So it, they make two films in Portland, but they don't have any sort of success out of Portland. And she and May eventually sells and or pawns that property back to her wealthy lumber baron uh, fellow to so that she can get cash to for her and Ruth to go to Hollywood to chase their dreams of Hollywood stardom. So 
as you can guess, um, in the 1920s and like the late teens, early 20s, nobody is letting random women from Portland with no history make movies. So Hollywood is hard. Um, They do not make it into the into like the movie industry and surprise, like with the movie industry coming up. I'm sure there's lots of other young, sexy, talented young ladies in films and what's one more. It's kind of a bummer. Um, So they're in Hollywood. May's doing a lot of Bible reading and taking care of the house while Ruth is making money as a taxi dancer and an oriental dancer. So a taxi dancer is a... Uh, like it, there's these like dance halls um, that only let men in and the women that are, so I don't know whether all of them were like that, but some of them only let men in and they're called the women that work there are called taxi dancers. Cause you pay them a rate, like by to dance with them by the song, like you would pay a taxi to take you to a place. So you, you pay money and you, you dance with, you know, to the girl you choose and she dances with you. Um, and these sort of taxi dance halls had a, I'm sure it was like a sliding scale of reputation. I'm sure there were nice ones with that were expensive and classy with like good prohibition era booze. And there were also ones that were basically just a, like Brothel you could- front room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dancing was just like a tester to see whether you wanted to engage with uh, a lady for potential sex work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and no, no shade there. Like, no, but I we hope all ours that being a, a front for that in the twenties, for sure. For sure. And Ruth was also doing what was known as Oriental dancing, which was, Oh yeah. There's going to be a lot of problematics. What do you think Oriental dancing is? I'm guessing it's like the taxi dancing, but with yellow face thrown in. Yeah, no, it's white girls dressed up like belly dancers. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're on the right track. I was really close. I was thinking that maybe they were doing a appropriate fan dance or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... not So it's, it's, uh, you know, belly dance. I, I mean, I'm sure there was lots of like, geisha makeup too so it's it's culturally appropriate oriental version (laughs) right right so it's white girls pretending to be like exotic eastern courtesans and basically you know performing on stage to dance for men in what you know it's not scandalously clad you know if it's another culture's costume right it was just a way to get girls more naked dancing Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah so ruth is young and hot and vivacious and energetic and she marries a working class guy but he's got some major jealousy issues they get separated and they are saving up for a divorce which kind of like if you're a jealous guy like why are, don't marry if don't marry a stripper mm-hmm. it takes a strong man to love a working girl Anyway, and this man did not have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they separate while saving up for a divorce. And she starts stringing a new guy along, a new working class guy. 
And she is get Ruth is getting this poor young man to take out loans from the ranch he works at so that her and May can publish a book. Oh, good. You ready to hear what this book is about? And was it dictated by some sort of an ethereal being at all? Oh, yeah, it was. Great. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called The Great Six Seal. And this is where we're kind of going to get into a little bit of Mother May's uh, theology. So this is a thing in Revelations. The angel Gabriel is supposed to dictate to two witnesses. And you know what? Those two witnesses are May and Ruth. Wow, how lucky. How lucky. So according to May's personal theology, which she will turn into the foundation of this cult, when Adam and Eve you know, eat the apple and commit the first sin. They messed up the fourth dimensional great tree. And so apparently back in the days of Eden, the great tree was left. The universe is like breathing in and out and there's like no death. But when Adam and Eve eat the apple, it causes, it causes like a problem, a dysfunction in the great tree of life. Um, which is kind of a Norse idea, the great tree of cosmic tree of life. It's not exclusively Norse, but it's definitely Norse. There's a lot of pagan elements in this cult theology. So the great tree gets messed up and it causes death within our reality. It basically things are only dying because of this original sin um, and the dysfunction of the great tree. And if we fix it, Mm. it means humans will no longer die and we can return to an Eden-like existence. Mm-hmm. And okay, in this new Eden, this is the kind of fun part. There's going to be 11 queens living in 11 mansions luxuriously all across the Hollywood area. All the 11 queens of this religion will have their own mansions in Hollywood on various like special hills or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they each get 11 kings. So yay for a reverse harem. Oh, great. We love a reverse harem. (laughs) Isn't that fun? Mm -hmm. I think that part's really fun. Mm -hmm. And this magical book that they are getting this poor man to take out loans from the ranch he works at to quote unquote publish will also tell where mineral gemstone and oil deposits are. Oh, yeah. So then you can be rich, right? So like the publication of this book is what brings about the quote unquote, it's it's like kind of the apocalypse of revelations, but like when this book is published, it's like the, the sixth seal of revelations. And I think they think that like, there's not going to be a horrible, nasty apocalypse, but it will re- it will fix this great tree. There will be the 11 Queens will be installed with each of them getting their 11 Kings and all the secrets of the universe will be unlocked and may will have, you know, there will, there will be the answers to where all these oil and mineral, like where the wealth in the earth is stored. Mm-hmm. So they've got this box of papers. They've got this like Ark of the Covenant looking box full of like bundles of papers but only like the first two pages on either side of the bundle is, has writing on it. It's just like your classic wad of ones with a 20 on either side. It's so bad. 
That's funny. (laughs) So they're showing this thing off and being like, we need money to publish this book so that we can bring about the nice apocalypse and everyone can live in wealth and luxury and nobody will ever die again. Mm -hmm. It's so much. Mm -hmm. And this poor guy who just wants to bang Ruth borrows so much money that he gets fired from this ranch. He's got no job. This woman won't marry him. He's got no money. So he joins the army like you do. And he's like, station me the farthest away from from here you can. He goes to say goodbye to Ruth and finds out that Ruth and May have packed up and moved out. And they're just gone. Gone. Great. And that's where we'll hang it up for today. And I'll continue to tell you more about their cult and their crimes next week. Wow. Okay. So they're 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 poised to start the cult now. They've they've yeah. got they've got the start of their manifesto. Yeah. So they've kind of got a pattern of taking money from men and which is great. Like let a girl boss win. But now they're starting to fold in this weird theology. And so they've got the foundations for the cult there. Yeah, we'll definitely get into it more. But it's definitely, I mean, some say that that May Blackburn might have been the first neo-pagan. Like she's definitely in there. There's there's definite classical as she draws on classical mythology. There's a lot of Christian science coming in. And it's definitely wrapped up in a veneer of Christianity so so as to not wig people out too far. But uh, stay tuned. It's going to go off the rails. I'm so excited. Thank you for telling me a story. How many husbands? May has had two husbands and has had had a long-term wood baron. Right. Yes. Yes, had a husband and a boyfriend who borrowed a bunch of money from her for her. Yes. And I think after this point, May is kind of she's getting a little older. I mean, I don't think anybody today would call her old. But back in the day, she was like, I guess, losing her youthful appeal. And she's not going to be out there seducing too many wealthy men with her with romance it's it's all going to be she's going to start using cold stuff cool it's great she's definitely going to make the turn from like hi lumber baron i will be a romantic partner to you in exchange for luxurious life mm-hmm. to hello wealthy oil man i know where future oil deposits will be yeah cool it's but Ruth's going to keep on turning and burning with like any guy who's going to give her money love that i'm so excited to hear more awesome so um did we have anything we're promoting this week before we toggle on off uh my cosmic sheep pins are online my exclusive design for sacred sheep um it is a very cute uh little pin that is like a frame with a sheep in it who is surrounded by stars and has a halo with moon phases in it and the frame has some filigree that is made out of yarn balls at the bottom so if you are a crafty type person like us it would be 
very cute on your project bag just saying and it is a limited edition of 100 pieces so once they are gone they are gone fantastic i did just have an update last weekend and i have some one-of-a-kind sock blanks that are still left there they're pretty fun some are gradients i think they're really pretty um and that's that's really all i got going on lots of good self-striping still in stock I also released the new flavor of my macaron box shawl, uh, yeah. the candy, cotton candy macaron, which is a uh, shawl that works great with sock sets. Um, it has multiple flavors. If you buy the macaron box pattern, it's currently $7 and you get uh, three different versions of the shawl to knit. The newest one is a kind of slip stitch garter mosaic situation. Uh, it's really fun to knit. Uh, I had a great time knitting that sample and it shows off a lot of the mini skein of the sock set because you start with the mini skein at the top. So it almost looks like it's half and half with the mini uh, and with the main color in that shawl, which I think is pretty neat. And you can yeah, and then that on Ravelry. Mm-hmm. And the neat thing about that pattern is you pay you pay for it once, and as it updates, you'll get more and more uh, pattern variations for sock set shawls. So get it now while it's the cheapest it'll ever be. Yes. Hooray. Sweet. So if you're looking to find us anywhere around the internet, please just head on over to fibercoven.com. That will have show notes for what you just heard. It will have links to Emily's merch and patterns, as well as my yarn, as well as links to our Patreon, where we do a whole nother podcast and we have video versions of what you just heard. And you can get access to our super cool Discord group full of lovely, spooky people. So until next week, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.